0: The 26th chapter of the book of Proverbs. Please turn there in the word of the Lord. It's good to see all of you here tonight. pray that you're doing well. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord. Okay, in this chapter, it uh, deals with, uh, I think, one of Solomon's favorite subjects to talk about, and that's the fool. Because he talks about the fool a lot. Amen, in the book of Proverbs, how to assess a a fool, how to locate a a fool, amen. So praise the Lord. Now, first of all, before we get into this, well, what is a fool? Anybody have any idea what a fool is by biblical definition? (laughs) That's right. Somebody that says no to God, okay, or says no to the Word of God, they know In some cases, they know what the Bible requires. But they say no to it. They won't obey it. Okay? So they disregard. Now, a person that is a fool disregards the Word of God, disregards God in their life. That means they live as if there is no God. You with me here? So again, I'll say it. It's a person that lives as if there is no God. Okay? Disregards the word of God. The one of the words that it's uh, these English words "fool" comes from is a word for, in the Hebrew that means to be stupid. No, and I mean that literally. Okay, to be stupid. Now, when you talk about the fool in the Bible being stupid, it's not a mind thing. It's a moral problem. Is everybody with me here? Okay. So let me say that again, when you talk about stupidity in the Bible, you're talking about somebody not in the area of their mind, but in the area of their morality. Wow, amen. amen? The point being is it's it's not that they can't do it, it's that they want, won't do it. Let me say that again, it's not that they can't live for the Lord or can't obey Him, it's that they won't obey Him and they won't live for the Lord. It's a big difference. So when you talk about stupidity in the Bible, we're not talking about a mind thing. you are talking about a moral problem. It's a character problem. Okay? So he's going to be talking a lot about that kind of individual in this chapter 26. So let's look at verse 1. As, as snow in summer and as rain in the harvest... So honor is not seemly for a fool. Amen? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to rest upon the teaching and preaching of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, the first thing he talks about in relationship to a, a fool, uh, they are not worthy of honor. Okay. To honor a fool is not a good thing. It's sort of like the the Bible says, if you look at the verse there, snow in summer. How many of y'all have ever seen snow in summer? Or rain in the harvest. Well, it's an out-of-season kind of a thing. It doesn't fit. It's freakish. So if you honor a fool, a fool shouldn't be honored. That's the point, right? A fool should not be honored. What they should receive is dishonor, not honor. So if you honor a fool, it's not right. It's out of place. It's a freakish thing. It's out of season. Just like snow in the summer. It's it's out of season. It's rare. It's Amen. So you are not to honor a fool. Uh, verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Okay, so the curse that the fool brings, the curse that the fool brings. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's look at it carefully. As the bird as the bird by wandering, now what does that mean? We have a bird that's flying over the head. This would be the sparrow. How many of y'all ever seen a sparrow? You guys ever seen a sparrow on the front row? You seen a sparrow? If you have lift your hand, I'd like to have some participation here. Lift your hand. You've never seen a sparrow? You're in the house of God, man. You better not be lying. That'd be a foolish thing. How many of y'all have ever seen a sparrow? Okay. There's a few of them around here. A sparrow doesn't have an abiding home. They fly from one place to another place, okay? So, and then it talks about the swallow that returns. So you have different kinds of birds. You've got the, the kind of bird that doesn't have an abiding place. It just flies around from one place to the other. It doesn't land, really, anywhere permanently. But the swallow is different because it will travel and then it will return back every year to the same place. Y'all probably heard about that mission, San Juan Capistrano in California. You No? Even the cartoon characters have that. I haven't even seen that in the cartoons. San Juan Capistrano in California, the mission. These literally thousands and thousands of swallows return every year to that mission. Okay? So what he's talking about here is this. How many of y'all believe in curses? That they're real? Well, they are. They're real. Curses are real. Blessings are real and curses are real. Now... The point being is this, that the curse that the fool brings, if there's no place for it to land, it's like the bird then that just flies around, doesn't have a place to land. It's like the sparrow that flies around doesn't have any place to land. Okay? Well, where's it going to go? If somebody tries to curse you, the fool tries to curse you, and it doesn't have a place to land because we have cause and effect. There's a law in the Word of God called cause and effect. Okay? So, if, if a curse, somebody tries to put a curse on you and you're not worthy of that curse, your life is not one that deserves a curse. It's blessed by God, right? Then what's going to happen? It's going to be like the bird that fly, flies around, it doesn't have a place to land. Well, where's it going to go? It's going to be like the swallow that returns to the person who sent it. Okay? So the curse causeless, as the Scripture says here, shall not come. Therefore, you as a believer, brothers and sisters, don't have to go through life always walking around with superstitious fear. Okay? The enemy wants us to walk around with paranoia. And we're, we're afraid of curses or somebody putting a curse on us or, you know, they old different stories that people have, don't walk underneath the ladder, you know. Because if you walk underneath... Superstition, right? You walk underneath that that ladder, then something bad's going to happen to you, right? So you'll see people, man, they'll... Do y'all believe that? Some of y'all look at me like you believe that. Like, don't take away my superstitions, Pastor. I want to hold on to my superstitions. How dare you? But there's some people that are like that. They really believe that if they walk underneath a ladder, that something really bad's going to happen to them. Well the only reason why that something bad would happen to him if the ladder is not in a, in a good position. okay? It has nothing to do with the fact that you walked underneath the ladder that something bad's going to happen to you. Or, for example, a black cat run across the street. Oh, a curse is on our family now. Because a black cat ran in front of us, you know? Wow. I mean, really, you'd be surprised how many people really get into that kind of stuff. Well, it doesn't matter if it's a black cat, white cat, gray cat, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's nothing to it. These superstitions, that's what they are. They're superstitions, right? Say praise the Lord. Brother Dice used to, taught, he used to teach us things. and He teaches the book of Acts. He was telling us about how some ladies' legs are hurting, you know. And uh, he said that some cultures believe that they got the evil eye. That means that some some person looked at their leg wrong with an evil eye, and now their leg's hurting. No, I'm serious. Amen. So, there's some people they live in constant paranoia all the time. You know about somebody cursing them or putting a spell on them, or you know the black cat running across the road or running Nathan. Walking underneath the ladder, you know, something really bad is going to happen to me now, right? As a believer, you don't have to worry about these superstitions. Because even if the curse, amen, has been sent your way or whatever, if there's no reason for the curse to come into your life, it's not going to land on you. Okay? It's just going to, t- and if somebody's involved and they're trying to curse you, you not to lose sleep over it. Like, oh Lord, I feel like something's really bad, God. You know, something's happened, Lord, Somebody trying to put a curse on me. And some people live that way all the time, man. Like they feel like a curse has been put on their life. Well, don't worry about it. Because without a reason for that curse to land it in your life, it's going to go right back where it came from. Amen. Now, don't, don't do what some people do. They find out that a curse has been put on them. And so what they try to do is they try to take that curse and send it back. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I send this curse back to where it came from. Well, then what are you doing? Then you're cursing. They cursed you. Then you turn around and curse them. You don't, you don't even have to do that. You don't even have to do that. Because if your life is where it's supposed to be in the Lord, amen, then you are blessed and if a curse tries to come to your life, it won't land. It'll fly over you and you don't have to send it back because it'll just go right back to the person that sent it. Hallelujah. So that, you know, you want to be very careful if you're the kind of person that likes to put curses on other people. Because if you send a curse out on somebody or try to curse somebody's life and their life is not doesn't amen warrant a curse? Guess what's going to happen to that curse? It's going to boomerang like the old boomerang. It's going to come right back on you, and you're going to wonder what in the world's going on. Okay, so don't don't be superstitious. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! Don't be paranoid all the time. Now I'm just going. To, now I'm done. I'm going to go home. I, I mean, that's that's the thing you're going to remember right there. Out of everything I say tonight, that's the one you're going to remember. But there are real curses, okay? Now, I'm thinking about one example where Goliath went out and you remember the story of Goliath, right? Okay. He goes out in the valley of Elah and what does he do? He cursed Israel by his gods, by demon powers, walking in the valley of Elah, cursing Israel by his gods, which means demons, okay? Well, here comes, little, here comes David, right? What did he say? As Goliath was trying to find somebody to come and fight him, and Saul was a coward, and even David's brothers, you know, they weren't willing to fight Goliath. And David happened to show up, and he hears Goliath walking in the valley of Eli, cursing the people of God, cursing them, by demon spirits. And when David hears that, and nobody's willing to go and fight Goliath, he said, Is there not a what? Cause there is a cause. It's cause and effect. What David is saying is this is that this man, this this giant's going down because he deserves to go down, because he's cursed the people of God. He deserves to go down, and what ended up happening to Goliath? David took him down. But Goliath tried to curse Israel. He tried to curse. I'll call little David. He tried to curse King David, right? And it didn't do anything to David. He walked out there, faced Goliath. Goliath's trying to curse him through demonic powers and forces, right? didn't have any effect on David. Why? Because David was a worshiper. David was a child of God. David lived for the Lord. David was right with God. Amen. He had a relationship with God. And so Goliath could try to release all these demonic powers and forces against David, but they had no effect on David because of his relationship with God. The The curse returned on him, on the giant. And David said, there's a cause, and I'm going to bring him down, and I'm going to defeat him by the name of my God, the true God, in the name of the Lord, you know, now, Jesus. Right? Everybody get the point? So somebody woke up, they start cursing you, you know, hallelujah, and demonic, demonic demon spirits after you or whatever. If there's no cause for that to land on you, you don't have to worry about a thing. You just sit there and worship and praise God, right? So Adele was telling me when she was in Zambia, you know, there was there was witches coming around them and everything else. And I said, spiritual or literal? And she said, literal, literal ones. You know, the real physical witches were coming around. Well, they don't have nothing to worry about. Amen. Now, what if you were in that situation and where she was, Prophetess Melis was, etc. And these witches start coming around and they're cursing you by demonic spirits, and some of y'all be freaking out, man. Some of you might be running out the door with fear. No, not if you know the Lord. They can come in there like Goliath and try to cast spells on you and curses on you, but it's not going to land. It's going to come back on them. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember one time my wife and I, a long time ago, we were in San Antonio. We, we we got lost. We got on the wrong side of town. You don't want to get on the wrong side of town in San Antonio. <laughs> we got lost, and so I pulled into a store, and I said to my Sister Christina, I guess I'll just go over here and you know ask and get some directions or whatever. And, and as soon as I got out of the car, some guy came out of nowhere, man, and he's trying to put a curse on me, you know, and doing the shape of a cross. and Well, I just looked at him. And I just got back in my car and drove off. <laughs> I mean, he was really strange. Boy, he was had that real mean look, you know, like mm, he's going to do me harm. Just get in your car and drive off. <laughs> right? But there are real curses, amen. And that's the why you want to walk with the Lord. And and if you walk with the Lord, you've got the blood of Jesus protecting you. You've got the name of Jesus protecting you. You don't have to worry about, you know, witches and and all of that stuff. If your li- life's not right with God, then you need to be concerned, amen. But a child of God doesn't have to worry, because it's just going to go right back where it came from. So don't live your life all day long thinking, man, my life's cursed. My, look at your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Now, <clears throat> curses are real though. Let me go to First Kings chapter 16. and This is when if we get out of the will of God and we're not serving God like we should and we're we're like the fool, okay? That means we're in rebellion. Let me just bring it to you this way. We're rebels. We live like there is no God. We know better. Say amen. We know better. And we live like there's no, no God and we say no to God and we don't want to obey His Word. Then that brings a curse. Okay? And those are very real. Because in some cases, if you put yourself in that position, everything that you will try to build will fall apart. And it's real, brothers and sisters. Instead of everything that your hand finds itself putting your hand to being blessed, everything that you try to do just falls to pieces because you're not living for the Lord the way you should live for the Lord. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that God necessarily curses, but we can bring a curse on our own life. Now, the good news is Jesus hung on that cross... The Bible says, "A cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree. And He took the curse when He hung on the cross for me. Amen? So if I sin against God, then what do I do? I put it under the blood. I send it to Calvary, put it under the blood, and I say, Jesus, You died for my curse. And that includes generational curses. Are you here with me today? Some of this, brothers and sisters, you need to understand this is real. And there's some people, they, they, they deal with generational curses throughout their life. And until you cancel those curses, amen, by f- renouncing them. So I renounce any generational curse that would try to be on my family, on my home, on my children. I renounce that generational curse. You, at, at times, you have to take action. And if you, if you discern there's a generational curse that's trying to follow you or your family, you have to take action say, I renounce that curse in the name of Jesus. Where do you send it? You send it to the blood. Now, some of you, this doesn't, you, you don't feel like you need this, but you need to hear this. For example, how can you know if you've got a curse on your life, a generational curse that constantly follows you? Number one, you're in constant poverty. And no matter what you do in life, you, you're you always poverty stricken, alright? Number two, you are constantly prone to sickness all the time. Sickness is coming from every direction. And it's not necessarily because you're old in age. Is you just get sick all the time because there's a curse and the curse brings poverty. It brings sickness. It brings disease. Another thing is you, if you're constantly miscarrying Now, amen? Amen, amen. It's not always the reason, but sometimes if a woman constantly miscarriages, it is because there is a curse that's in her life. It is a spiritual thing. Amen? It's following the life. So what do you do? Those identifying factors, just to mention a few. You go to God in the name of Jesus. You renounce that curse. You send it to the blood. You pray like this. A curse has no right to my life because I belong to Jesus Christ. So I renounce that curse. Amen. Hallelujah. I send it to the blood. And when you do, God will break that curse because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he watches over the profession of your faith as your high priest. So what that means as a believer, when you confess, the curse has been broken. When you confess, I have renounced that curse. Devil, you have no power and authority in my life. I send the curse to the blood of Jesus. When you do that, because Jesus watches over your profession, it becomes a reality in the spirit. Somebody said amen. So whatever type of curse it is. You can renounce it and send it to the blood. Amen? And, and God will do the work. Spiritually, He'll do the work. And I've seen people dealing with all kinds of things they couldn't get rid of over a long period of time. They've gone been to doctors and they can't get healed. And a Psychological breakdown is another reason. So not only poverty or physical sickness and, and miscarriages, but mental breakdowns. Are you hearing me tonight? Mental breakdowns. Why are people constantly having mental breakdowns? Why do they have to go to the psychologist all the time and the psychiatrist all the time? Because there is a curse that is following their life. And if they confess before God and repent of their sin, amen, and renounce those curses, send them to the blood and, and say, in the name of Jesus, devil, you don't have no right in my life, no power and authority in my life. And Jesus says your great high priest will watch over that profession and he will make it a reality in the Spirit. But what you have to understand, brothers and sisters, is that sometimes it's not automatic. The point being, as long as you let the devil do it, he'll do it. You understand what I'm telling you? See, he's a thief. He's a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, if somebody walks into your house and they, they're going to go and they just pick up your couch and start walking out with it, and you don't stop them, they're, right, brother, they're going to they're gonna do it. But if a, th- a thief walks into your house and tries to steal something from you and it doesn't rightly belong to them, you say, what are you doing with my couch? Put my couch down. And what you have to understand is that the devil has no right to do it. But he's still gonna try to come into your house and load up everything he possibly can. Take your blessings out the front door and say, praise God. Until you, as a believer in the name of Jesus, take authority over him and say, not here. I'm blessed and not cursed. I'm healed and not sick. I'm delivered, say, praise God, and not bound. That belongs to me because Jesus Christ gave it to me. God doesn't want us to be having mental breakdowns and be poverty stricken and be miscarrying all the time. Say amen. He doesn't want that in your life. Those are signs of a curse. God came to bless your life. And some of this stuff it didn't come after you were a believer. It came on you went before you were a believer. And you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus, and you were filled with the Holy Ghost. I get that, but there's still some garbage. There's still some baggage that you have to renounce and put under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, He'll keep hitting you in those areas of your life. And God will watch over the profession of your mouth. Hallelujah and make it a reality. Is everybody awake out there? Okay. I'm here praying with a woman when we were on Brazos, and uh, she was very sick, very depressed all the time. She was on medication, okay? Uh, very heavy medication. They put her in like a sedate, a sedation. And uh, just, it was never really there. I mean, she'd come to church and she just wasn't there. She was out of it, man. And so I met with her in, in, a, in a room and I prayed with her and we renounced generational curses in her life. Renounced them. Sent them to the blood. Broke that power of the enemy in her life. Amen? As soon as I prayed that prayer over her, listen, it's real. God delivered her. She felt it in her spirit. Not only did God deliver her, but God healed her. And she didn't have to take the medication anymore, because there was a spiritual battle that was going on that the doctor could not diagnose. And it was by the Holy Ghost giving me discernment as to what was really the problem here. It was a generational thing. When we broke that, God healed her, and she got rid of her medication. And she started to come to church. And you could, Sister Christina, she was a completely different person. But her unbelieving husband liked her in a sedate, sedation state. And somehow, she ended up leaving the church and somehow her husband influenced her to get back on that medication and she went right back into bondage. Because he liked her in a place where he could control her. Witchcraft. So what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, is that when you come in the kingdom of God, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, your life is blessed. But there's still some things in your life, and if you see these markers that I mentioned tonight taking place, then you need to get in a place of prayer. And I can pray with you, or Sister Christina can pray with you, and we can renounce those things, put them under the blood, break the power of the enemy. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I wasn't planning on spending a lot of time on this. This is the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Curses bring real problems to a person's life. Now, before we can renounce the curses or whatever sin into the blood, break the power of the enemy, declare he has no right over your life, The first thing you have to do if there's sin in your life is you have to repent of that sin. Lord Jesus, I ask You to cleanse me with Your blood and forgive me of this sin because I know that this sin is bringing death to me. And until you get rid of that sin in your life, you're going to constantly bring death to you. Say praise the Lord. So I can't even begin to pray with you about getting delivered from curses until you say, Lord, I'm going to get right with You. I repent of this sin, Lord Jesus. Amen. Because sin brings a curse. It doesn't bring a blessing. It brings a curse. So what I'm saying to you is that a curse won't just come and sit on you. There's got to be a reason for it to to have a right to you. Whether it's through generations, histories of family. Amen. You don't know what went on in your history of your family. What all they've been involved with, witchcraft, coon and you name it. Amen. you got to break that in the name of the Lord Jesus at times. Okay, say amen. Hallelujah. The Word of God talks about, in 1 Kings 16, about a curse. 1 Kings 16 and verse 33. Are you all with me here? What I'm saying, you don't have to be superstitious unless there's a reason for the curse to be there. Okay? Okay. So the Bible said, And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Hiel, the Bethlite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Sigib according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. Now what does it mean? He laid the foundation thereof in Byram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son. It literally means at the cost of their life. Now why does the Bible, is talking about Ahab, and then all of a sudden it talks very briefly about this situation. About a man that tried to build Jericho. And he said, when he started building Jericho, this son died. And then he kept building Jericho, and then another son died. Wow, what was going on there? Why were these children dying like that? What was going on? Well, the Bible said it was, it was uh, spoken by, the, it was a word, it was the word of the Lord, saying so, I mean, it was the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now go to Joshua 6, let's see where this happened. Joshua chapter 6, Jesus help us God tonight. Now the Bible tells us in this sixth chapter, in verse 24, they burnt the city with fire, this being Jericho. And all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put in this treasure house of the Lord. And then verse 26. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout the country. And so later on in history, this man tried to do, tried to build the city of Jericho. And just exactly like the word of the Lord at the mouth of the mouth of Joshua, when that man tried to do that, he lost both of his sons. They died. Why was that? Because God had forbidden that Jericho be built. And God said, "Not listen, you say, well, I thought we're not supposed to curse anybody. And you say, well, Joshua cursed somebody. No, he didn't. All he's doing is declaring the word of the Lord. Joshua didn't curse. The Bible says, bless not and curse not. You with me here? Joshua did not curse anybody. What he's doing is he's declaring a prophetic word of God and God is the one who said anybody that tries to build this city which has B-A-N on on it, which means a ban, a ban, means a curse from God. And he said anybody tries to build this city because the city is cursed by God, it's B-A-N ban, that person, their children are going to die. And so in this case, we see that there was a curse, but it wasn't causeless. There was a reason why this man, Hael, lost his children and they died. is because he tried to do something that God said he should not do. And you'll remember the next chapter, chapter 7 of Joshua, we have Achan. And he brought a curse on his own family. Because God said everything in, in Jericho belongs to me. Give it to God. It's it's hallelujah, give it to God because it's cursed. So you give it to God. And what did Achan do? Well he took a Babylonian garment. Amen. And some other things that were like his gold and silver. And he went and hid it in his tent. And Israel went to battle in Ai, the next battle in Ai, and they got whipped. And nobody could figure out, why did we get defeated? Why did we get whipped here? It's because Achan took the accursed thing in his house. And he held on to that which belonged to God. That which was dedicated to God. He tried to keep for himself. And when he did, he brought a curse on his family and it brought their death and destruction by a judgment from God. And they were burned with fire outside of the city. So God means business. He says don't build something, don't build it. if you try to build it, or you try to hold on to something that belongs to God that you should dedicate to God, the first fruits that belong to God, and you try to hold on to it because of your rationale and you're thinking, well, I don't need to do this or do that. Be careful. Because then you don't have a causeless situation. You will bring a curse on your life and not a blessing. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I don't want to be guilty of building anything that God says don't build say praise the Lord church I want to be the kind of person as Proverbs talks about that when the curse comes it's going to be like a bird it's going to look out of my life and say I can't land there I can't land in that house because there's no reason for that person to be cursed they're blessed by God and you remember a man by the name of what's that prophet false bell Balaam Balaam he went out and tried to you know the King Balak tried to get him to pay give him money and you know to go and curse the people of God man he wanted to so bad because he wanted that money so bad so he wanted to go curse the people of God and God said to Balaam you can't curse what I blessed he said don't do it don't curse what I blessed say praise the Lord Amen? Because there's no reason. Well, let me just say this to you, my good brothers and sisters, that these people had come out of Egypt and they weren't good boys and girls at that time. So in a sense, there was a cause. But you know why Balaam couldn't curse them? Because when they were walking through the wilderness, if you were to fly over them, over the top of their heads... You would see they walked in the shape of a cross. And when Balaam looked out at the people of God walking in the shape of a cross, he couldn't curse them because of the power of Calvary, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. The curse will not come in your life unless there's a reason for it to be there. And if you, hallelujah, if you've prayed and Repented of the sin and you're walking with the Lord and sending these things to the blood, they'll be broken in your life. You don't have to worry about it. But more importantly is to live in such a way that you're not calling down or bringing a curse on your family, on your home, on your children, on your wife, on your husband. Not just for that moment, but way down the road in the future. Because what was said by Joshua did not happen for a long time. Be careful about the decisions that you make right now. That the decisions you make right now line up with the holy word of God. Amen? And if there's something you know is not right in your life, you renounce it tonight. You send it to the blood. You break the power of the curse. You renounce the power of the enemy in your life in Jesus' name. Say, I am blessed and I'm not cursed. Because the Bible says in Galatians, Cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree. And Jesus took my place on Calvary's cross. So I'm blessed by the name of Jesus. There's a curse in my life. If there is one, there's a reason for it to be there. But there's an answer. And as I can send it to the blood, I can renounce it. I can repent. I can break its power. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to live that way anymore tonight. Tonight, 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 you can break it. And if there's something in your life that you, that should be dedicated to God that you're holding on to, and you know what, you know what you're doing, God knows you're bringing sin to the camp. What you need to do right now is say, God, tonight in the name of Jesus, I'm going to bring what belongs to you. I'm going to dedicate what belongs to you. Say, praise the Lord. These are real. This is real, man. This is real. And I don't know about you, but I I, I know about you. I do know about you. You want to be blessed, don't you? I want to be blessed. I don't want to curse. they very serious business. And the other night I was in prayer, and then uh, the Lord just sometimes I get troubled in my spirit. And so I was praying, Lord, what, what is wrong? If something just doesn't feel right. I said, Lord, what is wrong? And uh, as soon as I started praying that prayer, and I stopped praying that prayer, my wife read that verse to me about Hael building Jericho at the cost of his two children's lives. So I'm going to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, I, I'm, not, I'm not the one you know, going to say it's you, 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 or whatever, but I am telling you tonight that if you're trying to build something or you're trying to do something in your life that doesn't line up with the Word of God, then you need to be very careful because you're going to try to build something and it's not going to work. It's going to collapse. It's going to fail. And I don't and my wife asked me after I said I said, God answered that prayer right then. And she said, Well, is it in the church or is it outside of the church? Now I personally I, I believe right now in the Holy Ghost, the Lord is telling me who it is. And they're not here tonight. So look at them and go, Phew. Go phew. That's good news, right? But I do believe that I do know who it is. Okay? And I'm not I'm just telling you. But they're not here tonight. So praise the Lord. Lift your hands Say, Thank you, Jesus. It's not me. <laughs> Finally, it's not me. <laughs> but I don't think it's just this one individual. Amen? Because I believe it's also some other stuff that's going on in this city right now. That people are trying to build things and they're building it lawless. They're starting churches and these churches are charismatic and they know better. They know holiness. They know the truth. They know what they should be preaching, these preachers. But they've laid all of that down for pragmatism, thinking there's a better way. That's lawlessness. And they might have numbers, but I want to tell you something, they're bringing a curse on their life because they're not building it the way that God wants it built. Unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain, that build it. Hallelujah. You try to bypass the word of God and the commandments of God. And we preached on it Sunday morning, the prophet Amos. Hallelujah. The seriousness of traditional religion and trying to approach God with traditional religion. So that's that you know you don't necessarily have to worry about all this stuff that I deal with but I'm going to tell you something right now I know by the Holy Ghost that there are people that are building in this city and they're not building according to the word of God they are lawless They're not building by revelation they're building by religion Revelation is God's word religion is man's way Say praise the Lord And hallelujah Now, I am no prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. Never have claimed to be a prophet. I just preach the Word of God. But I told my wife a few years ago about a situation in this city where a man knew better. He knew. He was not getting into a lot of details, but he knows the Word of God. And I told my wife, I said, God is going to shake that church before it's all over. And it happened. Okay, you with me? And I'm not going to get any more details because I don't want your mind running like this and trying to figure out who it is or what it was. But I'm going to tell you something. It happened. I will say this. Man, they had numbers. Hundreds of people. But he's not the pastor there anymore. Because he did not build it God's way. And I'm not rejoicing in that because the Bible tells me not to rejoice in that. I am not rejoicing in that. What I'm telling you today, brothers and sisters, if you try to build your life on sand, it's coming down. You've got to build your life on the Word of God, a solid rock, solid foundation. Because if you don't God, the storms are going to come, and when they come, it's it's all going to fall apart. So do not bring... A curse on your life be the person when the curse comes says no they're, they're right with God they obey the word of God they're not a fool who lives like there is no God now you, I know you don't rock like it and you're not shouting too much and you're not clapping too much for me but I really don't care because God called me to preach the word of God to the few or the many it does not mean me. it does not matter to me But we cannot be a lawless person because that's the way of the fool. The fool says no to the Word of God. No to the commandments of God. And as long as you walk with the Lord and you come short, send it to the blood. Because until you repent, that sin is bringing destruction in your life. Say hallelujah. Now, brothers and sisters, you can play with it. You can act like this. is just no, a, a joke. You can act like it's no big deal. But now you're looking at a man that fears the word of God. I, I fear God, and I fear his word. Say praise God. Now, I don't take these things lightly. Because either I'm blessed or I'm cursed. There's no in between. You're either cursed tonight or you're blessed tonight. And if you're walking with God, hallelujah and you're obeying God, you're not being a fool, then God will bless you. I believe the Word of God tonight. And God does not want you cursed. God wants you blessed. He doesn't want you poverty stricken. He doesn't want you miscarrying. He doesn't want you having nervous breakdowns all the time. He doesn't want you sick in your body physically all the time and nobody can figure out what in the world has happened to you. They look at you and they run all kinds of tests and they say, oh, we can't figure it out, I'm sorry. We don't know what's wrong with you. That's the sign of a curse. And God, I tell you by the word of God, God does not want your life to be that way. He wants your life to be happy, to be blessed. He wants your children to be blessed. He's a God of the living and not the God of the dead. And we've got an answer tonight. You can renounce it. You can send it to the blood. You can start obeying the Word of God. And watch what God does in your life. I think really a lot of times what I've seen more as a pastor in dealing with people who are walking in a cursed state is that their mind is oppressed. They're in constant darkness all the time. And you can break that in the name of Jesus. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist. You don't have to get on drugs, Ritalin, and, and all of those kinds of things. In the name of Jesus, I declare the Word of God over you tonight. Blessing and not a curse. And we're cursed and out. We bring it on ourselves. Nobody else can do it. Nobody else can do it. And the good news is that we got an answer. It's the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> the curse of the fool, then, is the curse of a person who disregards God and lives in such a way, lives like there is no God. And that goes for you, the church person, or the person outside in the world. You can't live life, I can't live life like there's no God. In the name. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost! I can't live like there's not a God! I can't do whatever I want to do it, when I want to do it! If I want to be blessed by God! I don't want to push my family into defeat! And no power. So tonight, you have to make up your mind. In the name of Jesus, I'm renouncing the curse. I'm sending it to the blood. I'm breaking the power of the enemy off of my life tonight. I'm going to stop acting like a fool. And I'm going to believe the word of God. And I'm going to live for God. Clap your hands unto the Lord and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. You go to school, you go to college or whatever, God wants to bless you. You go into that public school system, college, let your light shine before men, get your education. Or you can go in there and let them swallow you up. And you start living like them, thinking like them, and acting like them. And you will bring a curse on your life. Your marriage will fall apart. Your life will fall apart. And you say, what's wrong? Because you're not in alignment with the God of the universe. You're not in alignment with the God who brings order to chaos who speaks by his word as Elohim the God of order and the God of power and speaks into a realm of chaos and says let there be I receive the word of God tonight I said, i received receive the word of God tonight. I'm going to get in alignment with him. I'm not going to roll the dice. I'm not going to play the game. I am not wiser than he, nor are you. I am not smarter than he, nor are you. And you can try to censor me, censure the word of God, but you do it to your own detriment. Because I love you and I care about you. And I want you to be blessed. But not just physically or financially. I want you to be blessed spiritually. The power of God yeah. pulsating in your life. So I preach by the word of God to you tonight, not because I planned on saying these things. You can choose. God said, when He gave His law, He said, you get to choose. He said, these are all the blessings of the law that's obeyed. And this is the curses of the law of God that is broken. And He says, choose blessing today. Choose life today. I I say it to you tonight by the Word of God. Choose life tonight. Choose blessing tonight. And not a curse choose it choose life and not death and if you do God you'll see things will begin to change in your life the atmosphere of your home will change when you go out everything you touch will be blessed everything will just it will start happening that's the kind of God that we serve In the name of Jesus. The sad part about it is that if we're walking in the curse of the fool, we're not listening anyway. So we make it worse because we won't receive the Word of God that's there to help us. And God wants to help you. You say, Pastor, you're saying I'm cursed. That's your choice, not mine. God wants you to be blessed. Say praise the Lord. Now, I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, something never goes right for me. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to say, God, I don't. there's something not right. And I really would like to know, God, is it isn't me? Is it me? Am I doing something, Lord? It's not pleasing to you. Amen? Because if I put my hand to it, no matter how hard I try to build it, it's never going to work out. Say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. But in the name of Jesus, I declare the blessings of God upon your life. And, and when that when that blessing is sent, you reach up and you grab it. That's for me. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired of living defeated. I'm tired of these situations always coming to my life. I'm tired of the enemy walking into my house. I've examined my life. I've searched my life. I've repented of my sin. I'm in agreement with God I'm not resisting God I'm not fighting God and so now if I've got a lot of stuff happening it's because the enemy's trying to pack my furniture up and I'm letting him but in the name of Jesus I put my foot down and I say this house is best I haven't brought something that brings the curse into my home and if I have I need to get rid of it We need God. We need His favor. We need His blessing. Verse 3. You can sit down. I told you I should just preach that one and let you go home. (laughs) I didn't know. How many of y'all want your life to change for the good? Yeah. God came to give you life and that more abundantly. It means super duper, super duper, super duper abundant life. It's the kind of God we serve. You can bring it on yourself, your attitude. Attitudes, not just action, but attitude. Let me go on. Verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, a donkey. And a rod for the fool's back. So only he said the sad part about the fool needs God more than anybody. In order to be blessed. The problem is though you can't get you can't put sense sense in the fool's mind without a whip. He won't listen. So what you have to do with a fool, you gotta put a bridle in their mouth. Because some, you know, if they're full, they won't—they won't slow down enough enough time in life. Slow down enough time in life to get right with the Lord. You got to put a bridle in their mouth. Whoa, Betsy! How many of you know? We can get ahead of God. We can get ahead of God, man. Yeah, and it might be something that God wants you to do. But you and I can get—we can get ahead of God before the time. God has to slow us down. So you're moving too fast. Amen. We just got to put a bridle in our mouths. And and then, but here's another thing. Sometimes you know, there's some people you can't get them to move. Bishop Lemons said it Sunday night. It's a bomb under their chair. Poof. Is that how you did it? Poof. I can't do it like he does. He said poof. And that is so true. Amen? And that's the fool. Because you can't get the fool to move. So that's why the Bible says here a whip. Use a whip on a horse to get that crazy horse to move. Come on, Betsy. Get going! <laughs> and there's that, some church people like that. You can't get him to move. You gotta, So you know what God's going to do? He's going to get a whip. He's going to say, Keep going. Hallelujah. Because my God and your God is a moving God. And you won't move with God. God's got a whip for the fool. He's got a whip for the horse. Hallelujah. Somebody said, Praise the Lord. Well, maybe y'all are maybe some of y'all go, but you're going too fast. So God says, okay, you put a bridle in your mouth. Slow them down. So that's, that's the only way you can get put sense in a fool is a whip and a bridle. They won't get it any other way. Now, I don't know about you, man, but I don't want somebody beating on me all the time. I mean, I like to be beat on all the time. Anybody like over here like to be beat all the time? You? Yeah, how about over here? Beverly, you like to be beat? Yeah, I think you do. You like to be beat? Anybody who like to be beat? Well, I don't like to be beat. I'd rather just go. I don't need to, to, to pull the whip out. Come on, let's go. What are you doing? you sitting there. No, I'm going to get up and go on my own. I don't want somebody beating on me. Because that's the only way that a fool you can get a fool to move. It's with a whip. The only way you can get them to slow down sometime is with a bridle. But but, but y'all don't need whips and bridles, do you? Of course not. Verse 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest they also be like unto him. Verse 5, Answer a fool according to his folly, Lest he be wise in his own counsel. Conceit. Which is which one which one's right? God says, Don't answer a fool according to his folly. And then God turns around and says, Answer a fool according to his folly. There's no contradiction, but it sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Because one place says God don't says, Don't do it, and then he says, in the next verse, he says, Do it. What's the point? You have to have discernment. You have to know when to answer the fool and when not to answer the fool. Sometimes you'll answer the fool, and sometimes you won't answer the fool. And it depends on the motive of the person you're talking to and the spirit that they have. Okay? So you find yourself in a situation and you know that nothing you can say is going to make any difference. They've already made up their minds. Right? That old saying? A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still, Asia? Amen. How many of you ever heard that? You discern that you you discern you have if you've got God you can discern when you are wasting your breath with that one Amen So sometimes you answer and sometimes you don't What's the spirit of the person you're talking to? What's what's the motivating factor? Okay, say amen. Well Answer the fool. Answer not a fool according to their folly. So you got a fool. Talk, they're talking about your foolishness. Amen? Amen. Foolishness, boasting, and lying. Fools boast and lie. What else do they do? They rail. Rail in anger. Amen. <laughs> They're always mad about something. Always angry about something, man. Railing on you. Letting you have it. Boasting about how great they are. You with me? Lying. Well, what what you do is you get around a person like that boasting, lying, and railing. Don't do what they do. Don't rail and don't boast, and don't lie like they do. Because that's the, that's the mark of a fool. Amen? See, because what happens if... if they know. They know what they're doing. Lest thou also be like to them. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll put you in a position where you know they, they may boast, rail, lie, whatever, and... They're trying to get you to do the same thing. Because that's what the fool does. He wants you to respond in like manner. So when you respond in like manner, though as the Bible said, you're like them. They want you to lower yourself to be like them. And so you get in a situation where you know that that person is just trying to get you in a tit-and-tat thing back and forth, you know, in a big old fuss and fight. And you know that and you can discern that. The Bible said don't bother with them. Get away from them. Don't bother with them. Because if you get around them and, and you know they're communicating this way, you're going to find yourself doing the same thing. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And all of a sudden, man, here we go, back and forth. Back, 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 you know, just tit and tat. And man, you, know, you, 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 you know. Well, that's what he's talking about. Don't be like the fool. Because then when you do, when you get down on their level then they go around and say, they're just like me. They talk just like me. And so you have to have discernment when that's going on. When you're becoming like them and you're responding like them, say, praise the Lord. Say, you know, now I, I ain't got time to bother with you. It's not going to do any good anyway trying to reason with the unreasonable. Say amen. amen. You can talk to you blue in your face. Now there are times though as the Bible says that you have to answer a fool according to their folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. And what that means is if somebody saying or doing things and you don't say anything about it, the point being is you have to, at times, you're not going to do what they do, you're not going to talk like they talk, but you're going to rebuke them. The way to respond to the fool so that they don't get conceited and say, well, see, I'm okay. I'm okay. They didn't say anything to me, so I must. it must be alright. And they get conceited. Okay? Well, the way that you deal with that is to not respond in like manner to their foolishness is you have to correct them. You have to reprove them. You have to rebuke them because if you don't, they'll go away thinking like, I got the best of them. Because they didn't say anything to me. They go away conceited feeling like, man, I'm really smart. I got the best of that person. So the point is, you're going to have to have discernment and to know when you're dealing with the fool how to deal with him. And if you even need to deal with it. Sometimes you don't even bother with him. You don't even answer him. Right? Because if you do, you're going to be just like him. But there are times when you know that if I let this go, they're going to walk around, walk away, thinking it's okay. And I can't let this go because this is wrong. I can't even let them continue to feel like in their their conceit and they're, they're conceited arrogance. That they're not doing anything wrong; that everything is okay. Because I know better, and I have to rebuke them, and I have to reprove them. And so do you. And don't get into a tiff and a tap and a fussing and a back and a forth with them. But you have to just look at them, calm and cool, say, "You know what? You're wrong, because you're going against the Word of God." (laughs) And if you do that, if you reprove them and you correct them, Amen? Possibly, they'll humble themselves. But probably not. Hallelujah. Everybody with me? So there's times, sometimes you can't let things go. And there's sometimes you just don't even bother with it. Let me look, let's look at the life of Jesus real quick. <clears throat> Situations come up from time to time. Somebody will say to me, would you speak to so and so? I said, no. I'm not getting in it. Because it's, not going to do, it's going to do absolutely no good for me to say anything. But there are times when I know in my spirit that I must say something. And it doesn't mean that they're going to listen. But I know I still have to say it. Because if I just let it go, they're going to keep on feeling like, yeah, I'm right, see? Okay? Look at Jesus. Matthew 21. Are you all all right up there? Okay. In 24, Jesus answered and said unto them, I also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. See? They weren't interested in truth, brothers and sisters. These religious people were not interested in knowing the truth from the mouth of Jesus. So 23 says, And when He was come into the temple, the chief priests, elders of the people, came unto Him as He was teaching and said, By what authority doest Thou these things? And who gave Thee this authority? He knew they weren't sincerely asking Him a question. He knew that. He discerned these fools. Their motive and their spirit. And Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reason within themselves. Do you see that? Rational. Saying, If we shall say from heaven, he shall say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the we fear the people, for all hold oh, John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. He discerned their spirit, he discerned their motive. So, what did he do? When you're dealing with, with, when you want to correctly respond to a foolish person, the way you respond to that is by a reproof or rebuke this way. By showing them the inconsistency of what they are saying. You are inconsistent. Okay? What you're saying isn't consistent. Number two, say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Show them a distinction between those who obey God And those who do not obey God. You see, in the Word of God, this person obeyed the Lord, this is what happened to Him. You see people that disobeyed the Word of God. This is what happened to them. So what you do, you with me here? You say, Let me, what you're saying is inconsistent. It's, 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 It's off. Amen. And let me show you. Let me tell you. Do you want your life to be blessed? Then do this. And this is what happens to people who obey the Lord. This is what happens to people who don't obey the Lord. You show them that. Say, praise the Lord. And by that time, brothers and sisters, you know, if you've moved that far, you still can't discern where they are. <laughs> okay. You that. showed them their inconsistency in what they're saying. And I've been in situations like that. Trying to help people see if you make the right decision, you'll be blessed. you make the wrong decision, you're going to join the crowd that are not blessed. Amen? you got to make the choice. But at some point, you discern that the person you're dealing with is not interested in truth at all anyway. And so then, you walk away. Because for you to sit there and keep on trying to give them truth and tell them the truth when they don't even want the truth, you are taking very precious, valuable things and throwing it to pigs. Jesus said, You're casting it, your pearls, before swine. So the way that you deal with the 4 according to even verse 3 is to correct them, to rebuke them, to show them where they're inconsistent, show them that they can be blessed, choose the right path. But if they don't listen, they don't want truth, they do what Jesus said. I'm not going to tell you. Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he walked away. He didn't get caught up in it. But nor did He just let it go. Alright? So the point being is that if you know you can't let it go, what do you do? you got to correct. you got to rebuke. And the way you do it, show an inconsistency here. The inconsistency of what they're saying. Show them the difference between this, this path that they're on and the path of righteousness. Amen? And then if they don't want it, then you walk away. And you do what you're supposed to do. Say praise the Lord. So there's no contradiction in the Word of God. There's times you know better to even get involved with it, right? Amen? I'll pray. It's hard. It's, it's not easy, is it, sometimes to know. All they want to do is win an argument. That's all they want to do. They want to win an argument, man. Has nothing about what's right and wrong and truth or what's not. Come on, now I'm right and I want to be right. Yeah. All right, well, you go ahead. You be right, Mr. Right. Big daddy. Big man. Lead your whole family to hell. And if you're a smart family member, you say... Uh, I'm checking out I'm not walking with you because what you're walking in right now is going to take us all to hell if I follow you. I'm not going with you. Amen. You got to make up your mind as he preached. And I didn't I didn't tell him what to preach, but you gotta make up your mind. If your wife don't walk with Jesus, you're still gonna be here. Your husband don't walk with Jesus, you're still gonna be here. Your children don't walk with Jesus. You're going to be here. Ain't nobody worth dying and going to hell over. So there are times when you walk away. There are times when you have to say something. You can't let it go. Because if you do, what you're going to do, you're going to feed into their conceit. See, they're already full of themselves. They're already full of their pride. They already think they're right. And you just show up and you have a big old good old time with them. And so they walk away, see, nothing wrong with me. Are y'all all right? I mean, it's 9 o'clock. I know it's not your bedtime yet. Is it? Amen. Now now let me keep going just a little bit longer on that. Sometimes you see the fool you have to have some discernment because you're dealing with a fool. Somebody who disregards God, disregards the word of God. Amen. They're not people seeking truth. If you don't say anything To that person, you're weak. They're conceit. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm I'm dealing with people, God, give me the grace and mercy. and give you the grace and mercy and discernment to know when to walk away and when to stand up and talk and say something. Because if you don't say it, they're going to look at you and say, they're weak. You have to declare yourself You have to declare yourself. Who's on the Lord's side? Even Joshua, when he saw the captain of the Lord of hosts with his sword drawn, Joshua said, whose side are you on? He's talking to God in flesh. But he said, I want to know. I wish I had my sword with me. I don't. But Joshua was a soldier. And when he saw God in the flesh, the capital of the host standing in front of him, he said, I want to know who you're with. You with us Are you with them? Joshua was so full of zeal, he's going to take on the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the captain of the Lord of hosts. I'm the captain of the Lord of armies. So even Jesus, even God, declared himself. Because he didn't. Joshua's fixed it. It's kind of zeal he had. So you got to declare yourself, you got to take a stand. You'll know when to take a stand. In the presence of family, in the presence of friends, in the presence of work, acquaintances, colleagues, brothers and sisters in the Lord, say amen. You oh, know, God's a good God, brothers and sisters. <laughs> say Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord, amen. God's a good God. Man, I tell you, as a pastor, I don't, I'm not an example. I, I need God. I need God's wisdom in His Word, but... I'd be in a situation where I know somebody, man. I know what they were up to for years. Never said a word. Not one word. Brought in my office, didn't accuse him of anything. I just know God gave me a vision. And I told him, I said, God gave me a vision. I said, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I want to know what's going on. We well, already knew. So they started talking to me and telling me what was going on. I said, I've known, this, I've known this for a while, but I said, I was hoping and praying that you would, by the Word of God, repent of it without me dealing with you. That's what I told them. I said, but now since you've told me out of your own mouth what I already know, you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice now. That's where we are Now. It's choice time. God in His mercy and grace gave you space to repent on your own. Now, vision comes from God. we got to deal with it. And not one time did I accuse them. Not one time. You can ask her. And they made their decision and they're not here. But you see, at that point, for me not to say anything, I would have been sinning against God. For me not to have said, Hey, we need to meet. What's going on? I would have been wrong. So you gotta know, you gotta know when to be quiet and you gotta know when to talk. Praise the Lord. And for sure, when you get in a, in a situation, you got people around you, man, that need to be rebuked, and you don't, you better rebuke them. And don't Amen. Get caught up into the way they do it, the way they talk, because you'll become just like them. Yeah. The best thing to do is just walk away. Okay. I don't feel like I should say anything right now. They're not going to listen anyway. Hallelujah. Now, with me? Are you with me? So you got to. Uh, uh, I, I love my wife. My wife knows I love her, and she loves me more. I'm just kidding. But, but she, there's times when she'll, she'll say to me, you know, she has to say something. And she's right. And I thank God when she does. It's very, she doesn't re- rebuke me like, you know, but she says, you know, we need to think this way. And I thank God for my wife. But there's sometimes when she gets, gets, you know, out of line, I as a man... You hear me? I is a man. Okay? And it ain't happening. And she'll tell you that. All right? It ain't happening. It didn't. It didn't. She said never. All right. So And so some of your sisters, you know, that I don't know what it is about the sister, and sometimes the sister like to push, you know, push, push, and push, and push, and push. Um, Well, okay, go ahead and you push your husband, but you're looking at a man in your pastor. And you won't do it to me. (laughs) It ain't happening. Okay? Now I'm going to handle you in love, but you start pushing me. I is a man. Okay? I'm not Ahab. <laughs> All right? Now you might be married to Ahab, but I is not Ahab. Okay? So sometimes the man has to stand up and look at that wife. Oh no, not here. It's not happening. Now don't touch him, don't lay hands on him. don't strike him. don't and don't be a fool. Okay? Don't be a fool. Start railing and boasting and like I am right now. <laughs> And lying. (laughs) What are you laughing about over there, (laughs) Brett? But you do. You just sometimes she gets out of line, you gotta put your foot down. Not in this house. Okay? (laughs) Because, because. You know, you might be able to push him around, but what did I say? I, as a man, I'm a pastor. I got the Spirit of God in me, and I'm not going to back down. I am not going to give in to your Jezebelic spirit if you got one hanging around you. Okay? Say amen. amen. So sometimes the man's got to look in the house. You know, what is that? What is that old saying we always talk about? the Irish husband the Irish man we're going to have peace in our house we got to fight for it <laughs> and if you're right you're right okay now the fool is going to you know boast and rail and, and all that stuff and they're wrong and God's not on your side God's going to stand on the right side of the law He's going to stand on the side of the right okay so make sure you're not the fool railing make sure that you're on the right side and that God's with you and you're standing for what's right. And you take a stand for what's right. Hallelujah. And you look them in the eyeballs and you tell them, this is what we're going to do. We're going to live for God. And this is the way we're going to live for God. Whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you and you see that pretty car you're driving? You won't be driving it tomorrow. (laughs) That will get their attention. (laughs) Amen. Okay, so I'm not going to get carnal or fleshly praise the Lord. Sister Nicole, remember that time? I love Sister Nicole. I love her. She's grown so much in God. I mean, she she's an awesome woman of God now. Okay? And now, now, right? But, in the, but there was a time when I was really bold. I'm not so much anymore. I've been beat so much. But she's over here misbehaving or something and I don't know. I don't remember the whole, the whole story. I forgave her a long time ago. But <laughs> do you remember what it was? No, to tell me to run. I you. Yeah, I told her. I said run. She said no. <laughs> What's the rest of the story? <laughs> but did you run? Nope. No. Okay. What was my response? Nothing. Just went back to the platform. (laughs) That's when you know when to just walk away, man. Run! No! Oh! But the next day, she was at my front door, apologizing. Praise the Lord! And that's why I don't even remember the story. I forgave her, you know, and it wasn't even no problem, right? But I did cross my mind. It did cross my mind. <laughs> cross my mind. <laughs> and I'm telling you, since she's done that, man, she's her growth pew, is like this straight up. And I mean that I and i see flattery flattery is when you say something about somebody that's not true. Don't ever do that. Don't ever say something about somebody that's not true. That's flattery. So I'm not flattery, but I'm telling you the truth. Since that day she's grown straight through the roof. God bless you, sister Nicole. I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So perfect example. You gotta know when to turn around and walk. Hallelujah. Can you imagine me and Nicole fixing to get into it, man? Jiu jitsu, Nicole, man. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Amen. All right. So, you know, sometimes you do. You just got to take a stand. If you're the head of the house, especially. Alright? No? Come on. Strong, loving, yes, but you gotta be strong sometime. Amen. If you don't, be a sign of weakness. And that's sad, but that's human nature. They love to see they 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 people love to monopolize on other people's weaknesses. And if they think they're weak, they'll run all over you. See? Amen. Are y'all with me? Okay. So Will you pray for me as your pastor? Because Brother Dice, one of my pastors told me a long time ago, if you don't pastor them, they're going to pastor you. And and so, I don't want to be pastored by you. <laughs> so that means I better... <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Good, man. So this is a perfect example. And so sometimes you know, you, you know when to be quiet and go away. Sometimes you know when you have to take a stand. Cause if, you don't, if you don't, you know you know in your spirit if I walk away from this fight, if I walk away from this situation, they're going to mark me as weak. You can't have that. Because then they're going to walk all over you. Walk all over you. Take advantage of you. Is everybody awake? It's 9 o'clock. Y'all give me a little bit more time? Okay, thank you. My problem is sometimes I speak so many things and I say so many things that I lose the main point. And I pray I haven't done that tonight. I'm really trying to be helpful. Because really, to be honest with you, these, these passages are not easy to explain because they almost sound like a contradiction. So I'm doing my best to try to explain it by the Word of God. Okay. Alright, verse 6. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. What well, you say this? some people you they're not responsible fool. you can't put them in a position. You can't put them in a responsibility because they're never they won't get it done. You with me here? You know, so, for example, in the Bible they would give in battle in battle, in battle, in battle. They didn't have cell phones, man, right? So they have to have messengers that ran by foot, by foot, footmen. And they had to run to the city and they had to tell the city by foot what's going on in the battle. Victory or defeat? And so here they come, man, and you can see them running on the mountains. And as you watch them running on the mountains, you know before they ever get there if it's good news or it's bad news. Victory or defeat. And it came through these messenger runners. And so, one example of the Bible, I don't remember all the details of it, one man ran and didn't have the message, but he could run real fast. When he got there, he didn't have nothing to say. <laughs> you know, so you put the message in somebody's hand, and they're responsible and they you know they might run fast, but they don't know how to deliver it. Don't have nothing to say. But those people would run with a message you they Run, you can see them. Is good news or bad news, you can tell. They'd walk and they'd give, give you the appraisal of the battle. Let everybody know what it's like, what's happening there, you know. Amen. But what if you put a message in the hand of the fool? They're not going to deliver it. So they're going to let you down. So you don't, you don't put people in responsible positions because they're always going to let you down. Say praise God. But the good news, brothers is that we have a message. We're running with a message and you're running with a message. I'm running with a message. It's called the gospel. The good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're running with it. And we're running with it. And we're giving it to the people. Say praise the Lord. Verse 7, the legs of the lame are not equal. So is a parable in the mouth of what? Fool's. Legs are not the lame legs of the lame are not equal. That means literally what it means is when you pull up the, the, the clothes, you see the lameness of the feet. You know, they're not up to the task. You see the lameness of the feet. So is a parable in the mouth of a fool. See, and I'm not going to do I don't think I'm going to preach the whole chapter so y'all be at ease because <laughs> I've, I've just never thought I'd go this long But on these few verses but I, listen when you get into to parables or the Word of God parables are the hardest areas of Scripture to interpret but they can be interpreted and this is the key to interpret a parable And that is, find out what the main point of the parable is. What is the main point of the story? You get the main point of the story, all the symbolism around the main point, that's just dress. Alright? right. The problem is, in interpreting a parable, if somebody doesn't know, you put a parable in the mouth of a fool, he doesn't know the point. And the problem with parables, man, I mean, I've read parables, exegesis of parables that would, they made parables say all kinds of stuff. They took every symbol in the parable and tried to interpret it, you know, in some strange way. No, parables are not meant to take every part of the parable and break it down and explain it in some strange way, mystical way. The purpose of the parable is to get the point and all this other stuff is to emphasize or to dress it up. But a fool... They're not up to to the task of of teaching a parable because they don't know the point. They don't know what it means. So you put the parable in the mouth of a fool, they're not up to the task. They don't know the point. So somebody, like the the legs of a person that's lame, it's it's uncovered, exposed. And so you put the parable in the mouth of the fool, and as soon as they open their mouth, they expose themselves. Like the clothes of the lame when they're lifted up. That's what that really means, lifted up. It means lifted up. If you listen to a fool who doesn't know what they're talking about, when they start trying to teach parables, they will expose themselves. That's the point. Because parables are hard to exegete. They're difficult. Say praise the Lord. you got to spend... well. Why is a fool gonna be exposed? are you know, y'all getting tired Are you starting to get restless? I know it's kind of like when y'all are in the movies watching these three hour movies. And you start getting restless and that's sort of what's going on right now. Amen. All right, now let me just tell you this: a full. The reason why they can't get to the point because they will never study. If you're going to exegete the Word of God, especially the area parables, you have to spend a lot of time studying the Word of God. You can't just get up and turn to the parable and start preaching it off the cuff. Because what's going to happen is everybody's going to walk in and say, what a dummy. (laughs) You with me? Because fools don't spend time studying. When it comes to the Word of God, if you're called to preach the Word of God, you have to spend a lot of time in the Word of God. A lot of time in studying. You have to depend upon scholarship. Sometimes people say, Well, you know, I'm just going to get in the pulpit and I'm going to wait for God just to pour it down from heaven, open up my brain, and put it in my head for me, you know. <laughs> and most people that are like that, who preach like that, you can tell. Okay? But don't blame it on God. No, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to go back into scholarship, and you can't look at it and say, "Well, I think it means this," you know, and go completely against hundreds and hundreds of years of scholarship and come to your own conclusion, and it's all different from everybody else's. <laughs> Fool. Well, I know I studied this and I studied about, you know, a thousand years worth of scholarship and nobody agrees with me, but I'm going to preach it to you tonight. Fool. No, man. Praise the Lord. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Over and over and over and over. Read the Bible. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Study Scholarship. And then stand up and declare the Word of God. Give me something. That, hallelujah. takes me the Word of God. Amen. Amen? And I've already talked to God today. I said, Lord, I wish I could teach the Word of God. I said, I wish I could teach the Word of God. And you know what came back to me? Don't wish anything. Steady and you'll be able to you know he knew I'll to go to say oh son you're doing a good job you're doing a good job don't worry about it you know it's going to be okay no don't wish anything if you want to be able to teach it study it and you'll be able to do it you know i'm wanting to be sympathetic with me said you know, amen but I for sure don't. God help me! Now, don't lift your hand. Sometimes I sound like, do. I sound like a fool to you? Don't lift your hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters! I can tell you, I if I haven't studied, you know. <laughs> Amen. You say, well, yeah. He must not spend about thirty minutes studying today. You know what I mean. Well, fool don't spend no time studying. That's why you don't put the parable in the mouth of the fool. Yeah! Praise the Lord! They should never say yeah! 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 And I'll tell you one thing too, man. If you have study, you put the time in, you're going to feel good, man. God's going to anoint you and God's going to bless you. You're going to have some authority because the authority comes in the, from His Word right here. That's where the authority is. You want power and authority? You spend time in that book. And everybody's going to know, they, boy, they studied today. Woo, hallelujah. It's not because you, you spoke six hours and said the same thing a hundred times. You know? I don't want to be the kind of person that stands up and preaches for six hours and just repeat myself a hundred times. There's nothing nothing more nothing worse than a, a long, boring sermon. A long, boring sermon. Nothing worse than that. Praise the Lord. You got something powerful, you got a nugget, say it. If it's five minutes, say it get it out. Go sit there and preach for six hours and say the same thing hey say thing hey, same thing. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> say thing say praise the Lord it's still early it's, I know because what happens brothers and sisters is that we get exposed Yeah, you know Brother Dice told me. It's your birthday. I'm gonna to talk to you, sister. Samantha, it's your birthday yesterday, right? Fifteen. This is so I'm gonna give you a birthday present. So I'm gonna tell you what Brother Dice told me. He said, You stand in the pulpit. If you're not careful, God will make a fool out of you. What a birthday present, huh? Man, that's the last thing I want to do is stand behind the pulpit and God make a fool out of me. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday, Sam. (laughs) And uh, He's good to you if you study. It's amazing if you study how good He is, how much anointing He'll give you, how much He'll quicken to you. If you study, He's also amazingly quiet. If you don't, and you'll get exposed. Hi, Sister Christina. Yes. Are you talking about me? No. Thank you, Jesus. I'm kind of wondering what's going on. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not going to keep you... I, I know it's school night. I know that. Hey, you know what? I preached at 10 one night. A Wednesday night, I preached at 10 o'clock. And I got home and I started thinking, it's a school night. And I kept those people till 10. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to let you out at 9.45. <laughs> that way at least you got 15 minutes to get home. Get it home to bed Amen. As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. Again, going back to the honor thing, don't honor a fool. It's like binding, it is like binding a stone in a sling. What good is binding a stone in a sling? It won't work. You're supposed to have a stone that will freely fly out of the sling. Right? Are you tied up in the sling. Dangerous, man. So the Bible tells us here: so he that gives honor to a fool is like binding a stone and sling. And anyway, it won't work. It's not work, supposed to work like that. All right, please us stand. I'm gonna let you go home. No, I'm serious. But I'm going to get a couple of verses in before I let you go while you're standing. So I'll give you hope. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. So he goes back to the parable again. A thorn in the hand of a drunkard. You know what? That's self-inflicted pain. But the thorn in the hand of a drunkard, the drunkard doesn't know he got a thorn in it. He doesn't know the point. <laughs> it went in his hand, man. Doesn't know it's there, but it's self inflicted pain, right? So is a parable in the mouth of a fool. He doesn't know the point of the parable. And it can be very painful. That's the truth. Very painful, very dangerous. Amen? The great God that formed all things both rewarded the fool and rewardeth the transgressors. Judgment. God says judgment's coming on the fool. Again, it's not a mind problem. If it was a mind problem, then, then you, you couldn't do it. It's a moral problem. A fool won't do it. They know what's right, but they won't do it. Amen? And so therefore, God says, just like the transgressor, said the fool is going to experience my judgment, the condemnation of the fool. Why? Because God, God is not going to judge you for something you don't have. It's not a mind problem. He wouldn't judge you if you couldn't do it. But because we can do it and we don't do it, it's a moral problem. Therefore, judgment will come. Amen? Say praise the Lord. And I will stop with that. May the Lord bless you real good. <sighs> Jesus, tonight I pronounce blessing upon this congregation. And I pray, God, tonight that the Word of the Lord that has been spoken tonight, that You'll take the Word of God and quicken it to our spirits and our souls when, our, when we find ourselves in the company of the fool, that we'll be able to apply the Scriptures that we've heard tonight. Most importantly, God, let us not walk in the curse of the fool. But let us walk in obedience to Your Word, serving You, living for You, regarding You in our lives.